We're going to begin in Chapel Hill, where police are investigating a shooting that left one person injured last night on Formosa Lane in the Greenfield Place apartment community. That victim was taken to UNC hospitals. No word on their condition. Also, no suspect details yet, but police want to hear from you if you have any information. Chapel Hill police are also searching for a suspect after a resident claimed she was assaulted at her front door shortly after 6 o'clock yesterday morning. It happened in the 5000 block of Old Chapel Hill Road. The suspect reportedly ran off after the victim fought back. Police say the victim is recovering from non-life-threatening injuries. She did not know the attacker. More details on our website, chapelboro.com. And if you have any information on either of those two cases, contact Chapel Hill police. Better news from Chapel Hill. Town officials last week announced they're working with the company DHIC to develop affordable housing for the Legion property. DHIC is a Raleigh-based company that specializes in affordable housing. They're the company behind the Greenfield Place and Greenfield Commons developments, also located just off Legion Road. The company has presented a concept plan for 160 affordable units on the Legion property connected to a park that will be on the same site, but the actual building would not begin for at least several years. Elsewhere in the news, more details are coming in on UNC Chancellor Kevin Guskowitz's impending departure from Chapel Hill to take over as president at Michigan State. WRAL is reporting some details of his new contract. Guskowitz will make a base salary of $950,000 a year plus an extra $150,000 for each year on the job. That's a nearly 50% increase from his salary at UNC, which is a little more than $650,000 a year. Staying on campus, a big development this year was the moving of the UNC System headquarters from Chapel Hill to Raleigh by order of the General Assembly. That meant the UNC System offices moved out of the Spangler Complex on Raleigh Road where they had been since 1971. So now that that's out of the Spangler Complex, what's in? 97.9 The Hills' Brighton McConnell has the story on one long-standing UNC institute that just moved in this month. The Franklin Porter Graham Institute for Child Development began in 1966 as an initiative to study children and improve their well-being. At the time, it was just a group of scientists with ties to UNC. Since then, it's grown to more than 200 employees and its work can be found in all 100 counties of North Carolina. Brian Boyd, who has served as the Institute's interim director since February, says the group focuses on three elements of operations – It conducts research and evaluations of children's behaviors and outcomes, recommends implementation of policies based on those findings, and provides technical assistance to groups who care for children. The Institute works with a variety of UNC's departments and schools while operating under the umbrella of the university's Office of the Vice Chancellor for Research. Boyd says... Part of our mission and what we try to do is pull other groups in to really foster the research environment around sort of how do we advance knowledge, advance practice, advance science around improving the outcomes of children and families. With its growth and ongoing work, however, the Franklin Porter Graham Institute had outgrown its old home. Boyd, who began his career at UNC as a lower-level employee at FPG in 2007, says a move from the facility off Smith Level Road had been on the to-do list for many of his predecessors. The building, which the Institute moved into after construction in the 1970s, was aging, and the FPG team had to be split across multiple locations because of its size. A number of 
prior directors have been um, trying to find a new place for FPG. The building that we occupied, while having a lot of memories, just given the history of the place, was a bit outdated. Boyd and the Institute were approached by the Office of the Vice Chancellor for Research about using the Spangler Complex. The two buildings, named after former UNC System President C.D. Spangler Jr. and his wife Meredith, were set to be vacant as the university system offices moved out to their new home at a high-rise office building in downtown Raleigh. While the move raised questions about the proximity of the UNC system from its campuses and to the state legislature, it objectively opened a better opportunity for FPG and its staff. This was a great opportunity for us to be able to move to a building that's really, for lack of a better word, up to code. <laughs> and it's really an upgrade over where we, where we were. But the bypass building holds wonderful memories because of the historic work that happened there. Now, Boyd says the FPG Institute has enough room for nearly all of its employees and has the flexibility to offer touchdown space for hybrid workers, as well as updated offices for research teams of all sizes. The location is much closer to UNC's campus, and Boyd says there is more functional space for child assessment projects. Although the Child Development Institution has only been at the Spangler Complex for a few days, its interim director says he believes the team is already beginning to feel more comfortable. After years of staff being, quote, reluctant to believe a new feasible space was on the horizon, Boyd says the hope is the Spangler Building can provide FPG a home for many more decades of research. It feels like a work home for us, and I think there's just something thrilling about being able to finally all be together, finally be in this new space. I think it it will reinvigorate the way we collaborate with each other, but also I think it will spark new collaborations, new ideas, and, and new science just by being here. For 97.9 The Hill, I'm Brighton McConnell. In local government news, Orange County Commissioners meet at 7 o'clock tonight in the Southern Human Services Center on Homestead Road. They'll discuss plans to address the county's capital needs, including maintenance and improvements in the schools. And they'll also discuss recommendations for how to use money from the National Opioid Settlement. Also today, Durham County Commissioners meet with Durham City officials at 9 this morning to hear updates from Urban Ministries of Durham and the Homeless Services Advisory Committee. You can get links to both agendas on our website, chapelboro.com. Meanwhile, in Mebane, Bucky's is making a second attempt to build a giant gas station along I-40 after Orange County shot down their first attempt two years ago. But moving over to Alamance County is not making things easier, as it turns out. WRAL reporting the Mebane Planning Board voted to recommend denying the proposal after hearing from dozens of residents last night. The city council will have the final say. They'll discuss the proposal next month. Finally, we turn to an issue that sparked a lot of discussion recently, rising concerns about predatory towing, especially at Carmel Mall, where the town of Carborough actually got involved after seeing a spike in towed vehicles over the last couple months. Residents have expressed frustration over aggressive towing practices and high fees to recover their vehicles, and now there are growing complaints that towing companies are particularly targeting women. Reagan Allen filed this report with the UNC Media Hub. Predatory towing is a problem in Chapel Hill. Barnes Towing, a local tow company, has scores of complaints, including accusations of specifically targeting young women. Chapel Hill resident Jimmy Jackson said he's seen this in action. I think they do target girls over guys. Some of the guys, they know they just about have to fight. They don't have to fight no girl. 
Jackson sits at the McDonald's on Franklin Street every day and drinks coffee. He and his friends have been doing this for the past 10 to 15 years and have witnessed countless cars towed from the parking lot. He estimates that about 90% of the cars he's seen towed are owned by young girls. I just think Barnes is doing is wrong. If these girls park here, or anybody that parks here, and get back to their car before Barnes tow it, they shouldn't make them pay. I just feel so sad for them. I mean, they girls here going to school, they don't know. UNC sophomore Bethany Pryor recently had a run-in with the company after her car was towed from the warehouse apartment parking lot while she was visiting a friend. Pryor said she went to pick up her car from the barn's lot behind a chain fence at 1 a.m. because someone from the company told her it'd be cheaper to get it then. We get here and the guy is saying it's $240. And we were like, okay. And so we hand him the card. He goes, actually, no, it's $345. And we were like, why did it change? And he was like, it just switched. And I was like, okay. And then we hand him the card and he's like, we only take cash. According to a Chapel Hill ordinance from 2014, towing companies have to accept payment by cash, debit card, and at least two major credit cards at no extra cost to the owners of towed vehicles. The man working at Barnes Towing then suggested Pryor and her friend go to the ATM at a strip mall down the road. Pryor refused and came back the next morning with cash. And so my mom called the day after when I got back home and they refused to give her information. They called me a liar. They told my mom that that never happened. They tried to say that the whole situation was fake. I feel like it just would have been treated differently, the situation would have been if it was a man. Pryor's mom, Kim, is unhappy about how her daughter was treated and feels she was unfairly targeted and taken advantage of. I don't feel like it's a safe situation to have a teenage girl go meet somebody in a gravel chain link parking lot. That's not even a well-lit business, you know. I just feel like they should have a, a location that they tow to if that's the case. That is a place that is a safer spot. Barnes Towing Company has refused to comment. I'm Reagan Allen reporting. You can get a print version of that Media Hub story with a slightly different angle in the Town Square section of our website, chapelboro.com. Time now for sports, brought to this hour by New Hope Church. UNC men's basketball may have taken a loss last week, but it did not hurt them in the national rankings. Carolina is unchanged at number nine this week in the AP poll and actually up a spot to number nine in the coaches' poll. UNC women's basketball also lost last week, but they're still holding steady, down one spot to number 25 in the AP rankings. Both teams still have a few more days off before they're back in action, Friday for the women and Saturday for the men. Over to football now, where UNC star quarterback Drake May and linebacker Cedric Gray made it official yesterday, announcing that they will skip Carolina's upcoming bowl game and enter next year's NFL draft. No surprise there, especially for May, who's projected as a possible number one pick. They joined three other Tar Heels who are also entering the draft, offensive lineman Corey Gaynor, wide receiver Tez Walker, and defensive lineman Miles Murphy. Murphy will play in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl on December 27th, but the other four will not. In a statement yesterday, head coach Mac Brown said, quote, We want to thank these young men for all they've contributed. We wish them nothing but the best and look forward to watching them represent UNC as they move on to the next chapters of their careers. They are not the only Tar Heels who will be missing the Dukes Mayo Bowl. Tight ends John Copenhaver and Bryson Nesbitt will be out with injuries, along with offensive lineman Zach Rice and defensive backs Will Hardy and Elijah Huzzy. 
In soccer, big congratulations to Tar Heel Savvy King and Ali Sentner, two of five nominees for U.S. Soccer's Young Female Player of the Year Award. Former Tar Heels Crystal Dunn and Emily Fox were also honored. They're up for Female Player of the Year. You can vote for both of those awards now through December 18th at ussoccer.com. The winners will be announced in January. And finally, in hockey, the Carolina Hurricanes are back in action tonight, looking to snap a four-game losing streak when they take on the Senators in Ottawa. Face-off time is set for seven.